Join us now for Education Matters, a weekly look at the real people and real stories in education across North Carolina. Welcome to another episode of Education Matters presented by the Public School Forum of North Carolina. I'm your host, Keith Poston. As you know, each show we focus on a central topic. This week we're looking at election 2016 and what the results might mean for education policy in North Carolina. We have a great lineup today for you. Like every week before we tackle the main topic, we open with our segment we call Edlines. It's a quick scan of education headlines across North Carolina and the U.S. Last week, the Charlotte-Mecklenburg Schools Board of Education voted unanimously in favor of a new student assignment approach that will consider family income, single parent status, English proficiency, home ownership, and parents' education levels in making magnet school assignments. This move comes weeks after the police shooting of Keith Scott, which triggered days of protest and unrest and brought increased attention to concerns about race and class isolation in Charlotte, where schools where thousands of black, Hispanic, and low-income students attend schools with very few white and middle-class peers. Wake County Schools utilized a similar approach up until 2011 when a newly elected school board abandoned the practice. CMS is now meeting with principals and school leadership teams on next steps. Some Wake County schools could have a more charter-like look soon. The Wake County School Board is considering a plan to operate 10 low-performing schools more like charter schools, expanding a program now in place in two Southeast Raleigh elementary schools. Wake County will need State Board of Education approval to use the, quote, restart model, which allows schools identified as continually low-performing to get the same flexibility from state rules and regulations as charter schools. Wake got permission to use the restart model this school year at Barwell Road and Walnut Creek Elementary Schools. The flexibility allowed for things such as longer school year, longer school day, and reallocating state money for programs to support teachers and reduce class size. Speaking of charters, the Charter School Advisory Board met this week to begin the process of reviewing new charter school applications for the 2018 school year as well as to review a report to the General Assembly on the performance of the state's two new virtual charter schools. Virtual charter schools are no stranger to controversy in other states where they operate, and North Carolina is no exception. Questions about student achievement, high withdrawal rates are common themes. This draft report included data on the withdrawal rates of the two schools. Pearson Back North Carolina Connections Academy and K-12 Inc. Back North Carolina Virtual Academy Connections Academy saw 31, Connections Academy, I'm sorry, saw 31.3% of its students withdraw and Virtual Academies 25%, interestingly in the exact statutory maximum. Lawmakers tried to raise the withdrawal rate maximum from 25 to 35% last year, but that provision was ultimately taken off the table. The report also found that each school did not meet growth expectations and were at the lowest end of the growth spectrum. Finally, a new national study shows that principals work on average nearly 60 hours a week with leaders of high poverty schools racking up even more time. This is according to the very first nationally representative study of how principals use their time released last month by the Federal Regional Education Laboratory. This report is timely given a committee of the North Carolina General Assembly is currently studying school administrator pay in advance of next year's legislative session. North Carolina currently ranks 50 at the 51, including DC, for, for average principal pay. We're gonna dig into this subject next week. Remember, you can visit the Public School Forum's website at ncforum.org, click Education Matters, and read more about each of these headlines as well as other topics we cover each week. 
As I said at the top of the program, we're going to focus this week on the results of last week's election and what it might mean for education in North Carolina. Joining us for our first segment are two friends of the program. We've got Dr. Terry Stoops from the John Locke Foundation, a conservative uh, think tank and research organization based here in Raleigh, and Rick Glazer, former legislator, who represented Fayetteville in the North Carolina House for 12 years and is now the executive director of the progressive North Carolina Justice Center uh, here in Raleigh. Good to um, see you. Good to see you both. Thank you both for being here. Um, I'm going to start with you, Rick. Uh, I mentioned that uh, you, you represent a you know, sort of a more progressive uh, view of things. I'm guessing that last week overall election results across the country weren't exactly something that uh, um, were encouraging uh, to you. Well, you know, I, the, clearly there was um, concern over the, the national um, uh, races that ended up for president. but. I, I think here in North Carolina, there was an election that created more balance. Uh, the election of Roy Cooper as governor, um, the addition of um, looks like up to two seats in the North Carolina House, creating a little more balanced House, um, the, the election of um, Justice Morgan. I, you know, I think that it, the state is, remains a purple state, it remains a balanced state, and I think to some degree the election in North Carolina, uh, which, which sort of bucked the Trump train, uh, I, I think shows that, and I, th I think it offers opportunity in North Carolina to return to a more bipartisan educational policy development and implementation. Right. Uh, Terry, seated to the right of Rick today, um, what do you think? I mean, do you think that um, the election was a, a sort of more of an endorsement of a more of a conservative approach overall and also to education, or um, um, what did you take of it? Well, uh, especially the General Assembly, I think the fact that they didn't lose their supermajority means that there is at least some support for the policies that they've been advancing, whether it's in education or in taxes or in any other area. I think the most surprising was that June Atkinson was defeated by Mark Johnson, a school board member from Forsyth County for the uh, Superintendent of Public Instruction. Uh, and, you know, we have to wait and see what kind of approach Mark is going to take. Is he going to uh, hold the General Assembly and the State Board accountable using his soapbox, or is he going to be more in line with the kind of policies that they are promoting? Right. Yeah, that should, be, that should be interesting to see. So one thing that was interesting to me, both sides really uh, ran um, on a pro-public education platform. I mean, if you looked at um, Republican mailers, Democrat mailers, they talked a lot about increased support for public education, paying teachers. I mean, so it should be pretty simple to find common ground when we come back in January. Well, you would think so based on the mailers. Um, <laughs> uh, apparently there was a lot more common ground than people realized before. <laughs> um, but, but I do think that, that that does bode well. I mean, systems and nations and states that have progressed in education policy have done it in a long-term way with a bipartisan consensus with all sides sort of compromising. We've had um, fairly polarized educational policy uh, for the last five years, and I think, you know, uh, to, Governor McCrory came in without any education experience. It just was not his background. Governor Cooper will be coming in with much more, having had legislative experience and working in the education arena as well. Um, he also knows the players, and I think that will create relationships despite the numbers. I, I, I think Terry's right how the new superintendent of public instruction plays in how the state board may shift or not shift. 
Um, but the goal ought to be to create a globally competitive education and public education for every child. And it ought to be that we work with all of the players and all of the stakeholders in ways we haven't done in the past. That's teachers, that's school boards, that's superintendents, uh, that's parents. And I, I, and I think um, the, a report that just came out of the legislature just yesterday um, suggests uh, and follows a report uh, that Terry and I know about and were involved in years ago on recommendations about how to improve the funding stream and the funding relationship, create a little more equality in that and, and better access to the information for the public. So I think there's a lot of things that we can work on together. Right. Terry, what do you think the uh, legislature is going to focus on? There's a lot of things out there, school funding, teacher pay, administrator pay, of course, things like opportunity scholarships and, and charter schools. What, what would you see with the sort of top two or three things? Well, I think without a doubt, they're going to, there's going to be a focus on teacher pay. Um, they've made a commitment to raise teacher pay, and now it's time for them to fulfill that commitment. So that's definitely going to be at the top of the, of the list. I was encouraged that we started talking about school facilities last year. Uh, it's an it's issue that we haven't talked a lot about recently, but we're going to need to build classrooms. We're going to need to renovate classrooms. And we're going to have to figure out how to pay for that, especially for the rural areas that don't have much debt capacity. Um, I'd also like to see us talk about the school calendar flexibility. I think it's absolutely way past time that we have some school, flexibi school calendar flexibility to allow school systems to determine when students start the school year and end the school year to meet their needs. That seems to be a, 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 a there's some bipartisan support, although it's interesting we, we're, we do see to seem to see local control except when we don't want local control. Well, that, 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 that has certainly been a theme for the last five years, but I think that's right. I mean, there's no question that educational uh, policy has not been fostered in a good way in academic progress by the current calendar. And, and so whether anyone who's in education, Republican, Democrat, Independent, have all agreed that the calendar needs to return to greater flexibility um, for localities and, and the systems that they have. I would also agree with Terry that, that a return look at the, the, the multi-billion dollar needs um, on the capital side is really going to be important uh, across the state for, for equality purposes. And I agree with him as well uh, that teacher pay is a big issue. The, the, the question will be, are we going to proceed in teacher pay um, along the same theme that we have the last several years, which has caused a lot of morale problems, a lot of differential issues. Um, and, I, and I think a, a relook at where we're headed, the goal may be the same, uh, but probably we're going to have to rethink the process. Right. Terry, last word. Um, what, what do you want to see? I mean, what would you like to see coming out? Let's, um, and first out of the gate? Uh, well, I would like to see us tackle this uh, funding issue, how we allocate funds to school systems. Uh, we have a report, we have several reports that tell us where we need to go. I think the, for transparency's sake, uh, for the students' sake, that we need to clarify this once and for all. Well, that's a big issue and we'll have a lot yeah. to talk about. Thanks for being on today. We hope you'll come back. Thank you. Um, and when we come back, uh, we're going to be joined by two guests who represent teachers and school boards. Now, as we go to break, see if you can answer this question. What was North Carolina's closest ever presidential vote?
Welcome back to Education Matters. Did you guess 2008? President Barack Obama defeated Senator John McCain in North Carolina 49.7 to 49.4, a 14,000 vote margin out of 4.3 million votes cast. Four years later, Mitt Romney flipped the script and defeated President Obama in North Carolina by 2%, which was the second closest contest nationally that year. Now, in the first segment, we heard from leading voices from the progressive and conservative perspective. Now we're joined by two folks who know a lot about other things uh, at the legislature. We've got Mark Jewell, who is the uh, president of North Carolina Association of Educators, Leanne Winter, director of government relations for the North Carolina School Boards Association. Thank you both for being here. I, um, when I knew I wanted to talk about uh, what might change in policy and uh, education policy in, in North Carolina. Uh, you two came to mind immediately because you guys are as involved as anyone. So, uh, Leanne, I want to start with you. Um, you know, school boards are actually there, there, there can be all sorts of ranging um, sort of partisan and, and political viewpoints, but, so, but what are the big issues that the school boards are looking at right now in terms of education policy? Well, I think you heard some of those earlier. School construction is a huge issue. We have over an $8 billion need. Um, the General Assembly has not put anything meaningful forward in about 20 years, so we're looking at hopefully a combination of something like a large bond issue with um, some long-term commitment. Um, teacher pay continues to be an issue, as you already heard. Principal pay is a huge issue, and there is a study commission looking solely at how we pay principals in our state. We're 50th in the country right now. Right. And then I would say our immediate issue that we're going to work on first is there was a change made in how we do um, K-3 class sizes um, starting next school year, and we need to get that rectified actually corrected. Yeah, I just, um, I've read, I read a couple of stories just in the last week about that. It sounds like it, and at least some legislators suggested it wasn't some unintended consequences, but uh, sometimes those don't get fixed either. And so can you explain a little bit more about that issue and how it, how it would play out in, a, in someone's local school? Right, so um, the, the way the change will play out um, is that money is generated in how they give us money for um, K-3 classes for your art teachers, your music teachers, your PE teachers. If it is not corrected, basically one of three things will have to happen. Either at the local level, the county commissioners will have to put in a major infusion of money to pay for those teachers, which is likely to be a property tax increase. Or number two, um, we no longer enjoy that meaningful part of our um, children's education and having those courses, or we inc increase class size in grades 4 through 12 in order to continue to have those teachers. Well, it's going to be interesting. Well, speaking of teachers, Mark, yes. you represent uh, the largest group of teachers in North Carolina with NCA. What's, uh, yes. How did you feel about last week, and what are, how are teachers feeling? You know, um, clearly we're excited about uh, what we feel is going to be the next governor of North Carolina, which is Roy, going to be Roy Cooper. Um, he's had a, um, a career fighting for public schools through his time in the General Assembly as Attorney General. Um, we feel that his vision, uh, one of the first things we're going to look for him to do is to uh, address teacher pay in North Carolina, and that's a long-term strategic plan to move North Carolina to the national average and beyond. Uh, everyone here knows as well as I do that we do have a huge teacher shortage in North Carolina. Uh, we're very concerned about the pipeline where our colleges and universities are not having um, the enrollment that we need to uh, fill those positions out there. Um, but it's also much more than teacher pay. We're very concerned about the resources uh, for uh, per-pupil funding. 
uh, we know that we're well below where we were between uh, prior to recession in 2008, and we've got to have a commitment for our resources in technology, textbooks, uh, supplies, and materials. Now, let me ask you, I mean, the NCAA has been pretty uh, vocal sure. about uh, not being real uh, pleased with some of the things that have happened in the General Assembly, sure. say, in the last four to six years. Do you see things changing? I mean, let's say, let's say Roy Cooper is governor. Right. You're still looking at right. super majorities in both the House and Senate. You're exactly right. Uh, there's some unknowns out there, particularly who might be uh, Speaker of the House uh, there. Uh, we, we clearly feel that uh, um, Governor-elect uh, Cooper will have a battle of uh, ideas, uh, which a debate which we need to have, which we haven't seen for the past four years since we saw a, a huge uh, decrease in, in funding for public schools in North Carolina and actually resources being channeled to, to private schools and vouchers. Uh, so we're, we're excited about having someone in the executive mansion who will champion the causes of our 1.5 million public school students. Right. Leanne, Mark mentioned private uh, schools, vouchers. Uh, two other things that are coming your way, meaning the school board's way, Achievement School District, lab schools, um, basically, you know, two different efforts that would, would more or less take away local control of a certain number of schools from the school boards. What are your, what are your folks, do they know, do they understand, do they have, uh, how are they feeling about it? Um, I think they do know. Um, I think especially on the lab school side, there is still a lot of uncertainty because the university system was, is really starting to put that together right now. Um, they have developed the list of eligible school districts and the, they've identified the schools of education that will be participating. Um, so I think it's going to be a lot of conversation. I think they want to do it in a very collaborative way. Um, the Achievement School District, we are still waiting on the superintendent to be named um, by the State Board of Education and so we'll go down that road. But I think our folks are very well aware of um, what is going on, and especially on the Achievement School District side, they're very nervous right. um, because there's not been a successful in other states that have had that program. So what's your priority, Mark? Uh, you know, clearly we, we've got to uh, funnel, we've got to recruit and retain teachers into North Carolina. We do that with competitive salaries. We do that with great working conditions. Uh, clearly we want to see master pay put back into the salary plan there. That's been a big deterrent where teachers can just go to Virginia and South Carolina and get, you know, a substantial increase. And we are really going to be driving home resources. Um, you know, the textbook issue has been critical. We hear it from parents all the time that they just, their kids are operating in textbooks that are 8, 19 years old, history books, uh, technology of course, uh, we're going to needs to remain an issue, but we know that uh, not all our kids have access to technology when they go home, so you need that hard copy and textbooks, and just being, uh, plain resources, pencils, right. papers. Well, lots of work to do. Thank you both for being here today. I hope you'll come back. We'll, we'll have a lot to talk about when the uh, General Assembly reconvenes in January. Stick around when we come back this week's Leadership Spotlight. Each week, Education Matters spotlights individuals demonstrating exceptional leadership in education in North Carolina based on nominations from you, our viewers. This week, we visited Enloe High School in Raleigh and, bet, and met Bill Natarnicola, who heads up the TV department there at the school, and you'll see helps change the student lives along the way. Take a look. Leadership Spotlight is presented by the Burroughs Welcome Fund, advancing biomedical science by supporting research and education.
This program has been around for about 30 years. We do a live show every day, and the other class is modeled after a, a typical production company where you create videos for clients, whether it be a music video or a commercial or a documentary. It's open to everybody. Like anybody can come into the class, learn a new set of skills, and walk away with learning stuff that other schools can't provide. Because of equal production, people have actually walked out of this class with Emmys, and it's a great accomplishment to have and a great feeling to know that you won an Emmy. It shows how good our program is and how much we've grown. You have a lot of people that's good with different things. You have people that are good with filming. You have people that are good with taking pictures. You have people that are good at setting things up or being a handyman. It's just all the different skills coming into one to make this perfect group of people that know how to do everything. As soon as you work with someone, it's like a bond y'all have because it's like y'all worked on something together and y'all created something together. So I feel like collaboration with other students is a really big thing because that's where most of the creative stuff comes from. I feel that in order, if you want to graduate students who are competent in many areas, the, the creative aspects and the artistic aspects are extremely important. Honestly, this program for me, it taught me that I was actually more creative than I ever thought I was. Like, I thought I was just kind of a bland guy that just kind of went along, but it taught me that I was actually my own individual person. I can learn how to do things myself and it also helped me learned that I'm actually really good with talking with people, which also helped me reconsider the things I wanted to do in life. If you know someone who deserves to be recognized, please visit our website, ncforum.org, click Education Matters, and you'll find a link to nominate someone in your community. After the break, this week's final word. Here in Raleigh, I live in a very competitive North Carolina House district that was decided by a few hundred votes, a Democrat unseated an incumbent Republican. I also fall between two competitive Senate districts where two Republican incumbents were reelected. I point this out because my location guaranteed that I was bombarded by massive amounts of direct mail every day, multiple pieces, five, sometimes 10 a day. I can tell you our mail carrier was bitter the entire month. I didn't have the heart to point out it's almost Christmas catalog season. But as someone who works for a group focused on public education, I was of course interested in what was being said about our schools. Funny thing is, is whether the mailers were from Republicans or Democrats, they all seem to be saying the same thing. Our public schools are valuable, our teachers deserve higher pay, our students need our support. They obviously read the same voter attitude polls I read that says by wide margins, North Carolinians believe and support public schools and believe our teachers are underpaid. So if we all agree that supporting public education is so vitally important, why all the partisan fighting over education? It's understandable that people from different political perspectives might disagree on some specific programs, but it seems like we ought to be able to agree on some of the basic table stakes, like competitive pay for teachers and principals, and adequate funding of schools so teachers don't have to buy classrooms out of their own pockets, or that children down east shouldn't have to get by on four times less per student than children born into one of our wealthier counties. If we can't come together 
and help to make sure all of North Carolina's children have every opportunity to succeed, then where are we ever going to find common ground? That's it for Education Matters this week. Next week, we're going to focus on principals, including principal pay, and we'll be in our new permanent time slot on WRL Saturday nights at 7.30 p.m. following On the Record with David Crabtree. See you next week.